I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this is the Always the Critic podcast where a couple of friends review the latest movies, except we literally have zero qualifications to do so. Jessica, how are you? It's been a couple weeks since it's been I a couple weeks had a chance to talk to you. I know, and I feel like a different person. I did have a, a death in the family, so I was dealing with that, and it just feels like I haven't been to the theater in a long time, so it was very weird to go and watch these two movies that we're going to watch today, that we're going to review today, and I, I don't know what, the experience was very bizarre to me. I don't know why it felt like a hundred years since I'd been to the theater, but the month of January felt very long. It really did. Um there was a lot of movies that, for the most part, I was just watching at home through the month of January. Mm-hmm. I think I went to the theater maybe twice, maybe, in, in January, <laughs> I think. I know I saw Scream. You did, and, yeah. And I'm trying to think if I saw another movie, but now it's not even coming to mind, so it can't be that memorable. Mm. Um, But then, you know, February strikes and we're starting to get... A couple more movies to yeah. actually watch in theaters. So, yeah, it has felt weird. But also, you know, since you mentioned it, you know, condolences on your loss. You weren't with us last week. I know, so. but uh, Chipper was here and yes, he, he did a fantastic job. We definitely have to have, have to have him back. You guys talked about Scream and what was the other movie? The Tender the Bar. The Tender Bar. Yeah. That is correct. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, we decided since those were movies from January, we didn't really get a chance to talk about on the podcast. We decided let's talk about it because he he really enjoyed uh, Scream and, you know, and then we both watched The Tender Bar. He's so articulate. Chipper is, is. like, and he's so passionate, too. And you guys were talking about the Oscar stuff. <laughs> yeah, we were. And uh, funny that you mentioned that. I actually have some news from the about the Oscars that just came out uh, just like a little bit ago. So according to the Hollywood reporter, Oscars, Twitter's top fan voted film will be recognized during the broadcast. Um, so beginning what? this Monday, Twitter users will get to vote on their favorite films that were released in 2021, regardless of if the film was nominated for an Oscar using the hashtag Oscars fan favorite. The film that receives the most fan votes by March 3rd will be recognized during the awards broadcast on March 27th. And it doesn't end there. Uh, Apparently, three Twitter users who cast their votes between today and March 3rd will have an all-expense-paid trip to Los Angeles to present an Oscar (laughs) award at at the following ceremony in 2023. Oh. Yeah, so just to build someone up. And they're also doing uh, best scene or favorite scene from a film as well, which they're calling it hashtag Oscars cheer moment. Now, it's not an official Oscar yeah, category. It's, it's just, just, hey, this is what us the non- fans voted this. Right. Us non-academy <laughs> people, this is what we thought they thought was the best movie of the year. So I see what they're doing. I see what they're doing. They're trying. They're to trying. be more relevant and have yes. these like, you know, social awards. Exactly. Um, and I feel like they're they're kind of grasping at straws at this point. Absolutely. This is not going to get more people to watch the Oscars. No. That's their I mean, goal is to have the yeah. broadcast be 
all these millions of people watching and it's just been on the decline for years now. Right. It's, it's not, I, you sent me this video from actually, um, I forget his name, but from the ringer, Sean Fennessy, Sean Fennessy, who he does the big picture. That's right. That's his podcast. So he had this really nice hot take saying that the Oscars continually never pick fan favorites or box office hits as their nominees and it goes to show that they don't give a shit about what people think and really what the potential audience for the broadcast wants to see right which is making them even more of like an outdated outmoded award show if i'm not mistaken i believe that out of all the oscar nominees only one so far this year uh, cracked over uh, has cracked over fifteen million in oh, box office. Yeah, and that's Dune. That's the only one. That's All the, the other one. ones are less, mm-hmm. uh, somewhere in that vicinity. But it it just goes to show, and he even mentioned in Sean Fantasy that a lot of these movies are kind of like you know stroking the egos of yeah a lot of just filmmakers. Like these movies are about like the craft and how films are made. But yeah. It's kind of hard to, you know, really, we like movies, we love movies, and if we were choosing the slate of movies to be nominated, you know, like half of the movies that were chosen, we would not have chosen. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that that's the thing about having an academy. They, they put whatever type of stipulations as to what movie can be and, you know, and what type of art, and I put that in quotations. Yeah, they're trying know, to define what to is art. Right. And they're leading and I think that that definition is a sliding scale, right? It is it subjective, really is. yeah. And if the moviegoers are going to see Spider Man No Way Home, and you're not even giving it some of the technical categories, like that I screams mean, like I don't give a shit like what you like, right? That's pretty much we're going to tell you. Yeah, what we're going to tell like. you what you should like. And that's really pretentious and annoying. And that's pr- also why I don't really care about the Oscars. But right. since we're talking about it and a lot of people really do care, um, I, I think it's important. I do think it's important. It's almost like a representation matters sort of argument where the um, blockbusters and the general movie populace that is not going to watch your prestige adult dramas <laughs> To quote the, you know, the last duel argument. Yeah. You know, these people are not being catered to. No, There's no reason for them to watch the Oscars. Yeah, because they know that the movies that they enjoyed, they're not going to see anything from it. They're not going to see anything from it. It's not for them. Like what the Oscars are saying is this is not for you. Right. It's not for you, the general audience who likes going to the movies to watch big movies. Uh, This is for the people... Highbrow. Highbrow. Almost. Yeah. And I don't mind highbrow at times with my movies. I do enjoy like, you know, smaller pictures. But at the same time, like if you're trying to represent all of film in a Mm -hmm. year. In a given year. You're not really doing that. (laughs) No. But we digress on that. We digress. Sorry. Um, uh, (laughs) Just one more thing before we get into our movies. Uh, Yesterday was the Super Bowl. With Super Bowl comes commercials. And we got a couple of movie trailers. So I don't know if you've had a chance to see any of them, any of the movie trailers that uh, came out. But we finally got our first look at Nope, 
Jordan Peele's Nope. Oh shit! I ne- I didn't watch it. I didn't watch the trailer. And it is it 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 gives you so many questions with no answers, and it's perfect. It, it's oh my great God. because oh you God. that's what you want. That's what you yeah. want coming out of a trailer is like, oh, what is going on here? What is this happening? Mm-hmm. And you know, and then you're like intrigued with what happens, but you don't know what the plot is. You don't so, know the context exactly. So. That was a really good uh, trailer to see. And the other big one that got a lot of people talking was the new Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness trailer, which <laughs> there oh, is God. so much. There's a lot going on. Nuh-uh. There. There's a lot of questions. And you look just, flabbergasted. Like I am because there is a voice that we hear in the trailer. Oh, and is, does I, it have to do with the end of um, Eternals at all? No, 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 no. It doesn't have to do with the end of Eternals, but um, with everything that's going on in the trailer, like there are. You're trying to dance around it without telling me anything. Yeah, because there's a lot of people who haven't seen the trailer maybe or maybe don't recognize the voice but the voice is very distinct. We've heard this voice before, not in the MCU. But in a in a Marvel movie, in a different Marvel movie, and if you're telling me it's Ben Affleck as Daredevil, oh, I will no, freaking no, no, leave. No, okay. No. Someone who is known for their mind and uh, being able to control or tap into people's thoughts. What? Um. <laughs> Oh shit! No, I we heard the no. voice. We heard this voice. But it's but it's Patrick Stewart. We heard that voice. No, and it's almost unmistakable that it's him. Holy shit! Right. Oh my god! And so he says something to Stephen Strange, like they bring Stephen Strange and like these like cuffs that are kept him, and the place that they bring him to, he's being led by what looks like Ultron bots. So I don't know if he's like in a different universe where Ultron exists or maybe it's a different Iron Man. I, I don't know. But then you hear that voice. It's time for him to know the truth. And it's and it's definitely yes. Patrick Stewart. Oh, my God. It's definitely Patrick Stewart. And then like the poster came out. And so like it's a really cool looking poster uh, with like fragments of glass. And then in the glass, there's different things. But in one shot shard of the glass we see the shield but not captain america's we see captain carter's shield from the what if series which means that we're gonna see peggy carter don that shield in live action this is gonna be one hell of a movie (laughs) and then the whole elizabeth olsen of it all Yes. They're going to tap into her being possibly the anti-hero or even the villain. We don't know. So those are the two that I think people are talking about the most. Obviously, there's um, a show, uh, Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power, which I saw the trailer. I I watched that trailer. Um, I was all over that shit. I have mixed feelings about that trailer because- yes. And I don't know how deep you want to go into it because we're already a few minutes into this episode. But it's a TV show. It should be coming out later this year. And it's based on Tolkien's ancillary work. Mm -hmm. 
hella excited for it. <laughs> I don't know if that trailer made me more excited or less excited because I'm already pretty excited for the show. Right. There's budget behind it. Yes. It's, you know, available to me. It's not like on Apple TV and I don't have Apple TV. Like, no, it's on Amazon Prime. Yes. And um, yeah, I'm excited to see this world again. I want to see this world again. I grew up it, in this world. <laughs> right. If there's one thing that kind of is like just... I wouldn't say worrying, but it kind of caught my eye is that it looks very CG in a lot. of. That is my issue also with the trailer is that it looks like I know that they filmed on location in New Zealand. That's great. But I also feel like the CG isn't as great as I want it to be. Yes. It's not. And if you rewatch the Lord of the Rings movies, that CG holds up. Yes, it does. It's 20 years old and it holds up. It's amazing. It truly does. So those are some of the movie and a little bit of TV there that we were uh, kind of looking at. Well, you haven't really seen much of it, but I didn't see two of them. But then I watched the one that was most important to me. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Now, speaking of CGI, that doesn't really look that good. Let's go ahead and talk about our first movie. (laughs) But before we do. Come check us out on social media to stay up to date on our latest episodes and reviews. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at AlwaysCriticPod. Lastly, if you're a fan, please, please, please consider becoming a patron. It is a great way for you to get involved and show your support. You can check out our page on Patreon.com slash AlwaysCriticPod. Yes. Also, if you're listening for the first time go ahead and hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app we're on apple podcast spotify google podcast every one of them if you like us give us a review on apple podcast and spotify you can rate us on both please five stars don't be petty no definitely don't so let's go ahead and talk about the first movie of our double feature we are going to talk about death on the nile yeah (laughs) Uh, this is the sequel to the 2017 Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah. And why don't you go ahead and tell us what this one is all about? The IMDb synopsis reads, while on vacation on the Nile, Hercule Poirot... (laughs) I meant to say Poirot, but then I said Poirot. (laughs) Hercule Poirot. Hercule Poirot. I can't say. Anyway, you know who it is. Must investigate the murder of a young heiress. It is directed by Kenneth Branagh, who worked on Moana. And nope, he did not. He did not at all. But he did do the first movie, which is Murder on the Orient Express. And he is also nominated for Best Director and Picture for Belfast. For Belfast. That's his most recent, you know, nominee thing. Right. Awards. And it's written by Michael Green. It's an adaptation, of course, of the Agatha Christie novel. So this movie does star Kenneth Branagh himself. He does play Hercule Poirot. Poirot. Now I'm having a hard time. I'm just going to call him Hercule. So in this movie, we also have Gal Gadot. We have Army Hammer. We'll talk about him for sure. Yes, Russell Brand, Letitia Wright, Emma McKee. Annette Benning, along with a few others. Uh, this is a pretty big cast, but I yeah. feel like after a certain point, it kind of drops off in name recognition. Mm. It's like more people like, I recognize this person. I know. Okay. Like that. Yeah. Like that guys and that lady. Exactly. Now, when it came to box office, this was a movie that was re- 
that was released strictly in theaters. It was part of the promotion, theaters only. And it scored $12.8 million. It, that was good for number one on a quiet weekend uh, here in the United States. In terms of critics, uh, 66% audience score. I'm sorry, critic score. 82% audience score. Mm. So audiences liking it a little bit more than critics. And why don't you let us know what critics actually said about it? Sure. The critics consensus reads old fashioned to a fault. The solidly entertaining death on the Nile is enlivened by its all star cast and director star Kenneth Branagh's obvious affection for the material. And I would agree with that. Yes, so would I. So let's go ahead and let's talk. So what do you think of death on the Nile? I don't think I had high expectations for this one. And I feel that. Still, it let me down. Mm. I was not familiar with the source material. I've never read the Agatha Christie novels. And I didn't watch the first remake, Murder on the Orient Express. So this one was just like I was coming in like fresh. I didn't think that I needed to know any of the characters. And I was correct. You really don't need to watch the first movie to come in and see the sequel. I would say that Kenneth Branagh is like the best part of the movie. And there is a stunning opening sequence that really made me think, oh, we're going to delve into more of a character study. And it's not. (laughs) So it kind of does this like two step away from that after the intro sequence. Yeah. I was not very surprised by the way that things turned out and the way that the plot unfolded. I was actually kind of bored like throughout the movie. Yeah. None of the characters really like stood out and I was like, wow, that's a great they performance. Don't. Like, no, it's pretty par for the course. Like it's bland. So hearing you talk about the movie the way you are, if you were to tell me this is your review of Murder of the Orient Express, I would not have been able to tell the difference <laughs> because the movie follows the same exact formula Outside of that opening sequence, but it follows the same exact formula of seeing this star-studded cast all running around a certain place trying to figure out a murder that has happened. And basically, you're just waiting for the actual, like, Perot to actually let you know how he figures it out. That's what you're waiting for. But there's no – it. I don't know if the mystery just is not enough. Like, it's not – there because right you're you're we know who gets killed and and as the movie goes chugs along because it's not even like moving at a particularly good pace it's like really drawing in with the plot just like slowly going through i felt like it was that was rude of it to do that because it's an adult it's for adults, right? Like this yeah, isn't yeah. a children's movie. Like you don't need the pacing to be like, okay, let's handhold the audience. And it felt rude in that respect because it felt like they were talking down to the audience. Mm, okay. uh, like much like the character Poirot does yes, to everyone does. in the movie. He does. So it felt like condescending almost. Right. And, but the thing is that it doesn't really give you like a sense of wonder no. as to being shocked or surprised as to yeah. who the killer or who committed the murder mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And yeah, that's a big sin of a murder mystery. Um, yeah. 
So something that I will say, and we won't know until later this year once we get part two of this, but the formula that's kind of going is knives out is going to be the comparison point. Um, because both of them have a star studded cast with the first movie. Um, and you have this detective with some, in, you know, some intricacies, a little bit eccentric and trying to solve a murder. Now, the difference is in Knives Out. Sorry to spoil this for people who haven't seen Knives Out. We know that movie's pretty three much. Years old. <laughs> yeah, we've pretty know kind of what happens, mm-hmm. you know, it, halfway through the film. And it's more how are they going to get away with it? Mm-hmm. And so now we'll see what happens. And then with there the is a twist, part. if you can call it. Well, yeah, there's still a tad bit of a twist, but we'll see now what happens with part two that comes out later this year. And I don't, I think that's probably going to be our best comparison point when it comes to it, because I think Knives Out is probably going to be more fun to follow versus this. This felt very methodical in trying to present it as an adult type of mystery you're Mm -hmm. you're really trying to you know see these characters and the drama that's behind it but the drama's not that interesting yes the drama's not that interesting it's not it's like the main driving point really and this doesn't really spoil much is that uh our girl emma mckee is engaged with army hammer and army hammer is introduced to Gal Gadot's character mm-hmm. by Emma. And then six weeks later, uh, Gadot and, Har- and Hammer are married. Mm-hmm. And so now there's jealousy. There's there's she took her, her best friend's guy. Yeah, exactly. And then other characters are brought in with their own motives. But none of it really. The big crux of it is like all these people like me for my money. And that's, that's kind of it. Like there's not really yeah. much going there in terms of a mystery it's like that's not engaging enough for for a plot for a murder mystery Mm. so so i i honestly didn't think i hate to dump on this one but it was just not executed very well at all no Um, no it wasn't just left so much to be desired i did like the visuals like at certain points i was like oh this looks really good um costuming is beautiful Mm mm-hmm you know, setting in on the dial, that's fine. But I think on the whole, like I would never return to this. I would not recommend this. <laughs> no. I, and speaking to like sets and stuff, most of it, like when they show CGI. those shots, CGI. Oof. It's and beautiful CGI at times. Yeah. And I'm at like, times, other times but I'm like, oh God. You could clearly just, tell yeah. that person is standing in front of a green screen because yes. like the way it looks. So Overall, this is a bit of a miss in terms of a grade that I would give it. I I think I'm leaning towards a C That's on a same. scale. Yeah. So um, we for those who don't know, I think this is our first time kind of unleashing yeah, it this. Is. Uh, we are going to go ahead and grade it on, the way we would grade a paper Yeah. in school. So A, B, C, D, F. And, you know, we could give pluses and minuses wherever we think. But, yeah, for me, it is a C. And I'll do C. Yeah, it's right. It's just right down the middle. And I'm not going to return to this movie again. No, never. So let's just break down the spoilers real quick. And then we could go to our second film. So we're going to talk about spoilers for Death on the Nile right after this. The greatest trick. Houston, we have a problem. I 
father. I see dead people. The devil ever pulled. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Was convincing the world. You can't handle the truth. He didn't exist. Oh, what's in the box? All right, so let's talk spoilers for Death on the Nile. All right, so... That intro sequence. Intro sequence. That's what I want to talk about. That threw me. That threw because, me too. I almost thought I had walked into the wrong yes, movie. Me too. <laughs> me too. I was like really questioning it throughout. And I'm just like, wait, is this the right movie? I mm-hmm. thought I had like walked into Kingsman accidentally. Oh, right. <laughs> because, you know, it's another war movie. So in my head, I was like racking my brain. Yeah, I was like, like what is World War I? One doing and, in here? And on top of that, it's in black and white. And I'm yes, just like, it's all in black and white, which is beautiful. But again, it just felt like. What am I watching? I thought I was watching a murder mystery. Right, exactly. <laughs> <In> color. <laughs> and then we we finally see Kenneth Branagh's de-aged face. They de-aged him. <laughs> they de-aged him. And, you know, we get a little bit of backstory. He was in the war. He was still smart. Like, he would deduce things and help get the advantage when crossing no man's land. Uh, but he still got his captain killed, and he was disfigured in the face because of it. Yeah, he had almost like a two-face moment. Like a yeah, he night. did. <laughs> yeah, he did. He turned. He like turned around and he was like, you t- what did he say? He said something to his lover. Yeah, because she was saying you that. You love I, me I, like I, this or something and right. he turned. Yeah, And he exactly. was like this dramatic moment because he's all disfigured. And like it is on like an it's an open wound that's on his face. It's not even like covered by no, like bandages wild. or nothing. Like that's what is unbelievable. But, but for so. effect, fantastic. Makes sense makes sense and she uh what does she say she says because it's right on right on his upper lip you'll grow a mustache and like oh a star is born and and then a time jump so we get to their present day but i found okay but that intro sequence and especially his love with the nurse or whoever she was yeah i was very interested in that i was like how did perot become perot and, you know, why isn't he with her now? Like, what happened? What's the drama? I was very intrigued by this doomed love story. Yeah. And I didn't give a shit about the murder mystery that happened for the bulk of the movie. Right. Which, by the way, let's go ahead and spoil it right now. Um, okay. If it- Army Hammer was not the murderer, I was going to leave the movie and request a refund because... There was no way in hell that he was completely scot-free, innocent. So I, I mean, I was like, okay, it's him. Yeah. And probably someone, he has an accomplice. Like, yeah. So there was no surprise from the get-go. So you, he was shady the whole time. (laughs) Do you want me to give away murder on the Orient Orient Express to you? Oh yeah, absolutely. I've never watched that. Okay. So that is a star-studded cast and. Johnny Depp is the one that gets killed in the movie, right? And when they go to reveal who the murderer is, basically everyone. No, no, no. (laughs) Everyone had a hand in it. Oh, Everyone on the train. Wow. So they all played the part to like do the murder and cover it up. Mm. So it, it was one of those. So I was expecting multiple people to be part of this gotcha. scheme here. Uh, yeah, so I didn't find it shocking mm-hmm. at all. I was just like, of course it's these two. Of mm-hmm. course it's Army Hammer and 
his ex. They planned yes. it all. Like, hey, yep. let's get her money, kill her, and then we can run away together. Cool. Like, okay, great. Um, and then none of the other characters I found that interesting to follow. Mm-hmm. Like, I wish there would have been an eccentric character because there was no thing, you know, outside of, you know, Hercule. Mm-hmm. There was no one who you wanted to spend time with. Like, well, you oh, could say that you the know, uh, singer was she eccentric. Was, yeah. Um, yeah, we need to get her name. But Letitia Wright's aunt, uh, mm-hmm. Letitia Wright was the one who would like do the books, was kind of the, the manager for the band. Right. And uh, I would say that, yeah, her character was pretty, you know, engaging to watch. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, she provided different things. Number one, she provided, um, you know, singing. So at least forms of entertainment. And she was like a flirt with Hercule. Yeah, like she, she was she, flirting she, she with uh, Poirot the yeah. whole movie. <laughs> yeah, the entire movie. And he, he kind of got flustered sometimes there, too. Yeah, yeah he, he was, did. like, shaking a bit. <laughs> yes, he was. Um, but... Yeah, outside of that character, I don't think anyone you really kind of you're you're not excited to see them on screen because no. they're not giving you anything to kind I of cheer kind for of or like looking forward to seeing Annette Benning because yeah. I find her like like a great actress. And in this case, I don't f- she was so one note. Yeah. Like every character is pretty much one note, but her character in particular was like this uber pessimist regarding love and marriage especially and yeah. she like denied her son her blessing to to get married because she b- doesn't believe in marriage and she had this whole spiel of the second corinthians got it yep. wrong and like she twisted the whole corinthians 13 bible verse which is very common to recite at weddings love is kind love is patient and like she was went off on it yeah, and i just did. thought Besides the fact that she's one no, besides the fact that she literally just exists to cock block her son <laughs> and not provide any sort of income for him to like get married on. She's also just so unbelievable. Like the dialogue that she gives there is so like you had to sit down and write that. You had to look up Second Corinthians. You had to like really it doesn't make sense for her to just pull that out of her hat, out of a hat. No, it doesn't. So I just don't appreciate that either. Cause in what world would someone just come up with this whole thing? Like as if she rehearsed it. Yeah. Like you could tell, well, at least the way the movie goes, like she had that ready to go at her sleeve. If yeah, anybody questioned her about love, like yeah. she was ready to say it. Oh man. Uh, I, I think that I thought I was going to get more from Russell Brand. Yeah, he was very Russell bland. Brand is an eccentric person. Yes. yes I he thought is. they grabbed him to be eccentric in the movie. He was like a boring doctor. Oof. Bad use of him. Very bad use wasted. of him. Wasted. Wasted. Um, I think most of the characters are wasted in this movie. Mm. That there's not really much that they're doing except like walking around, questioning Poirot and looking shocked like that's pretty much all they're doing the entire time so there's there's not really 
much there. There's not much substance. Yeah. Was there any question that Gal Gadot was going to get killed? I was waiting to see how long she would last in the movie. That I was thought my she question. lasted a very long time. She lasted much longer than I thought. Yeah. Because I knew she was going to you know, meet her demise sometime, but she lasted way longer than I thought. Mm-hmm. So overall, I... This is not going to be a movie that's going to crack any list at the end of the year. Um, I think that if they somehow greenlight another one, I I can't imagine them doing that. Uh, Now that Disney owns 20th Century Studios. Mm. Yeah, I doubt that they're going to greenlight another one. Do we have anything positive about the movie that (laughs) we can speak on? Because Um. I've, I've noticed that you know, obviously we're kind of trashing the movie because there's not really much there. But if I gave it a C, it's because I guess Kenneth Branagh, he's still pretty interesting as Kenneth Branagh's very interesting. I'd say the cinematography isn't the worst thing I've ever seen. Um, Costuming is very (laughs) nice. Costuming, again, very good. I mean, again, it's the time. They're they're really, you know, getting into it. Um, And then... How about the music, like that blues that they play throughout? Because it's this, yeah, it's a, it's good. So, I guess like little things like that is what make this movie at least passable to watch. Uh, I think I might drop my score, honestly. Like as time goes on, it might be one of those where on first yeah. reflection, oh, it's a C. But you just look at it and think, why did I give it a C? Yeah, yeah. I, I why is I it average and not below average? <laughs> right, and not below average. So. If you're looking for a movie that is a murder mystery, save yourself some time. Don't I'd actually this turn one. back to like the classics. Like I loved, yeah. and we talked about um, Murder on the Orient Express. So if you're looking for like a train murder mystery, I'd go like Hitchcock. Like yeah, you could do Strangers um, on a Train. Strangers but on a my train. favorite is The Lady Vanishes. The Lady oh, Vanishes. My is God, great. amazing! Watch that movie. Yeah. So. If you're looking for a murder mystery or just a mystery on a train, <laughs> The Lady Vanishes. Check that out Absolutely. wherever you can. So let's go ahead and let's, let's jump go. to our second movie, Marry Me, right after this. All right, so we're going to talk about a movie in which two people who are about to get engaged, but due to some unforeseen circumstances, one purchase, one person actually chooses another person to marry. But enough about Death on the Nile. Let's actually talk about <laughs> Marry Me this time. We got it. So, all right. Marry Me. All right. This movie is a movie that was released... In theaters and on Peacock. Yes, at the same so, time. So at the same time, it scored just a bit over $8 million over the weekend. Yeah. But I would say this was kind of the talk of the weekend if you were online. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people were talking about this were movie. They? I think so. More than was... Death on the Nile. Oh, well, yeah, certainly. Um, much more. I didn't know I think... that people were talking about Marry Me so much. 
I wouldn't say I like it's, it was like a, I, I wouldn't say like it was trending or something. But oh, like, no, no, no. I get if it. If you went online throughout the weekend, there were things like being said about Marry Me. Okay. At least more than Death on the Nile. So let's talk about it. Jessica, what is Marry Me all about? The IMDb synopsis reads, Music superstars, did I say that right? Music superstars, Kat Valdez and Bastian are getting married before a global audience of fans. But when Kat learns seconds before her vows that Bastian has been unfaithful, she decides to marry Charlie, a stranger in the crowd instead. So this movie is directed by Kat Coiro. It's written by John Rogers, Tammy. Is it Quarrow? I, I don't I don't know. So. I really doubt <laughs> we it. We just came not, off of Poirot. I know. Like- uh, written by John Rogers, Tammy uh, Sager, and Harper Dill. And it stars Jennifer Lopez, Owen Wilson, Maluma, and Sarah Silverman. Uh, okay, before we get into it, how did critics and audiences receive this okay, movie? Okay, so it's currently sitting at a 58% Rotten Tomatoes critic score. And it has a 93% audience score. That's a huge difference. Huge. The critics consensus reads, Mary Me's silly storyline is heavy on the something old and something borrowed. But the movie's well-matched leads make it easy to say I do. A little cheesy on the <laughs> critics consensus. Yeah, but that's cheesy as shit too. Yeah, it is. Okay, so real quick, my thoughts on the movie. I think okay, this movie... It's a very passable movie, but still enjoyable, much more enjoyable than Death on the Nile. I think that everybody is game for what they're doing. So we know it's going to be a lighthearted comedy. You know, there's going to be some hijinks here and there. Um, I personally, when it comes to Jennifer Lopez, I don't find her to be that great of an actress, number one. And number two, in the movies that she does select, usually she doesn't select good projects uh, when it comes to that. There's very few movies where you think, oh, this is actually a good movie with Jennifer Lopez. And this is this is a fine choice. This is actually I, I honestly feel like it's more like she's taking bits from her own life and just putting it into a movie. It kind of feels OK, like, we'll talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk about that. And, you know, Owen Wilson, it was good to see him in a comedy we hadn't seen him in a in an actual movie in a little while like he did pop up in loki last year but we hadn't seen him in a movie so this is such a odd pairing of two people uh because okay i don't want to jump in until like you're right this movie having these two people of all people jennifer lopez and owen wilson just does not make sense on paper to me but I guess that's the whole point of the movie is like two odd couple people coming together. And yeah, I mean, I enjoyed it. It, it. It's a fun time. It's not anything groundbreaking in the world of rom-coms. Uh, but that said, though, because of the fact that there's such a dearth of rom-coms now, getting something like this is actually refreshing. So those are my general thoughts. Jessica, go ahead. Okay. Oh, my God. I loved it. I <laughs> <laughs> So this was, if you scroll back in your podcast feed, you will hear me talk about why I am so excited to see this rom-com in a theater on our most anticipated movies episode. It was, it cracked my top 10 movies that I'm looking forward to seeing in 2022. And it's because, again, 
quick spark notes of what I said. We don't get rom-coms basically in theaters anymore. They go straight to streaming. Um, this was a larger budget rom-com with people you recognize. I had J-Lo and Owen Wilson. Mm-hmm. And you're right. No hacen pareja. They don't like you look at them. You're like, yeah, I wouldn't have pair those two in a right. million years. However, I was I came, you know, hard open, you know, ready to receive whatever this movie was going to give me. And again, I wasn't I didn't have high expectations, but I was just open. Right. You were open. I was open. Um, I, Like I said, I loved it. I About five or ten minutes into the movie, I got cautiously excited because i was like oh oh my god i think this movie's good and it might stick the landing and i was i'm so excited to report that it did like yes it's very good and no it's not breaking ground with (laughs) rom-coms who's out here breaking ground with rom-coms nowadays there's a formula you stick to it it's it works that's why people return to it. Rom-coms are comforting. Rom-coms are fun. And that's what this movie is. Like, it does um, absolutely play to J-Lo's strengths. Um, she is, first and foremost, a dancer to me personally. She's a dancer. Then, second, she's a mediocre singer. Then, she's <laughs> a mediocre not actor in that order. This is not necessarily a knock on J-Lo because J-Lo, I love you. PR forever. But... She's not like a um, a prestige actor, so to speak. Right. I think the closest she got was Hustlers, right? Right. And I remember the campaign for her. Yeah. Which I still think the Oscars. I still, think I still haven't should've... seen the movie, but. What? No, I never saw it. Oh, my but, God. Okay. Yeah, I know. But from from what I've heard and from what so many people have said, including you. Yeah. Like, that, that was the perfect opportunity to recognize her. For her to her get something. Yeah. For, some recognition. Because it's Maybe not even a every nom. day. Yeah, yeah. A nomination. But it's not every day that we see, you know, J-Lo in, like, kind of like a prestige role or a role yeah. that would get her recognition. Mm-hmm. So why not give her that moment, you know? Exactly. So... Um, and they the, side note, Oscars usually do this. The Oscar, the Academy Awards is that someone who is not technically a prestige actor, quote unquote, will do a prestige movie and make waves and people start talking and buzzing about their role and their acting and the Oscars will overtly ignore them. Oh, yeah. It happens. And all the then time. they're like basically telling that person, that actor to do it again on another role and then we will nominate you and recognize you. Yeah. It, That's what it's they do. Insane. It's they insane. always, they never, you know, so they're like, Oh, a shooting star. Let's wait for the next shooting star. Cause it's not Leo. It's not Meryl. It's not like, you know, these tent pole actors that right, you the- always see at the award shows. It's like, it's JLo. She has a rep. She has a persona, and they're like not willing to have that be associated with the Academy Awards, which I hate. But which I hate. So I'm off my soapbox back now. To the movie. Yeah, I am off my soapbox now. Don't worry. So we're back to the movie. I again preposterous premise. She picks a <laughs> rando out of a out of a crowd and marries that dude, and she's like, "Let me see if we can make it work." If only for. It's if only for a few months and for basically publicity so that I don't look like a fool. It worked. Her dancing, amazing. Her singing, best I've ever heard her. 
Um, <laughs> like you said, it seems like Jennifer Lopez really understands how she is perceived and how people feel about her yes. because she is talking. Well, she, I feel like the writers and her crafted this character to be a facsimile of, of herself. Right. Exactly. She's I, been married multiple yeah. times. She um, is a pop star north of 35, which I thought was hilarious because she's like 52. What a line. What a what line. A line. <laughs> north of 35. <laughs> um, you know, she's beautiful. She's Puerto Rican. Um, you know, she has to also be, um, what is it? A global pop star who writes her own music, which I thought was funny as well. Um, it just seemed like, her stance on love, the character's stance on love, I should say, was right. J-Lo's stance on love as well. It feels like it. It feels like she is putting a lot of herself mm-hmm. in this role. And a lot of... And I feel like that makes it work. It makes it more authentic. Because we... Okay, Jennifer Lopez has been so in the in the spotlight yes. as a person. Mm-hmm. Um. So we know her ins and outs, her her love life. We know it, mm-hmm. you know, as as a society, because she's always out there mm-hmm. with what she does, and so a lot of that stuff kind of makes its way into the movie, mm-hmm. the way she is perceived, the way people talk about her, the way, she, and what we believe is how she views herself, mm-hmm. and. That I found very interesting. I know that when I was watching this movie, I had a conversation with my mom and she was like, did they write this movie like after the whole A-Rod thing? Like, <laughs> and I'm just like, I don't think so. That would have been too close. But but the fact that we were even thinking that conversation just speaks to how it well- happen. Right, it can this happen. This person does exist, can exist. Exactly, and how well they crafted it around Jennifer Lopez with mm-hmm. everything we know about her. Right. So it just made sense. Uh, on the other side, Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson, charming, as always, uh, funny. I feel like they probably could have given him a little bit more to do mm. uh, as that. that second lead. Yeah. Um, just because we know him as being a really funny guy. And I don't know if we let him shine as much mm. as that comedic lead. Yeah, he was basically kind of playing the straight guy. And uh, certainly he was funny in moments. And mm-hmm. I appreciated like the gags with like the dog and <laughs> him being <laughs> super nerdy with the math thing. And like, that's great. But we know Owen Wilson can really let loose. And, yeah, he can. Uh, you know, I'm sure he's like an big on improv too although i don't don't have a lot of like oh i've looked into like owen wilson and his roles to know that he improved xyz but i just feel like he has a lot of comedy chops he does and he he wasn't necessarily given the freedom to like do that no he was not i Which agree is fine like i don't I, it could could have been even better but could have it's fine the way it is uh, so there's one more person I want to talk about because this person I believe is making their acting debut here, and that is Maluma. No, because he was in no, Encanto. He was. <laughs> With like was a couple he? of lines. <laughs> okay, he was. Live action. Live action. Live I action. Think, yeah, outside debut. of music videos, this is his debut. Right. I believe. He has lines. He 
you know, he has moments where he is in the plot, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and like he he's fine. He's I think so here's the thing and I I told my parents this cuz we actually watched it at home. So I watched it in theaters by myself and then I watched it at home with my people. Yeah. And I told my people I was like I actually think this is Maluma's like real life. Like he's just like <laughs> jet setting all over the place and going to award shows and like making music. And like he has like an, a bunch of like ladies around him at all times. And like, I just think that's his life. Like he's that's constantly flirting. Like, yeah. Is he, is he acting or is, I don't they just know. put a camera around him. You know, that's what I think. <laughs> that, that's pretty funny. Actually. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Um, the the whole concept of the movie is so silly. I know. Of the fact that they're first off that they're going to do their vows in front of 20 million people. They keep announcing that number 20 million because it's going to be online when they're performing it on stage and it's a once in a lifetime event. I thought it was funny that. that the event was only 5000 people but then the online crowd was 20 mil. I was like, okay, so who gets the 5000 like how did right. those tickets get released? Like right, exactly. Like I, I was trying to figure that 5, out. Five thousand like, is a laughably were low number. Like where were they performing? And right. so in what my head, I think I know what venue it is because it's supposed to be in New York. Yeah. So it's got to be the the Hammerstein Ballroom, uh, which is a sm- it's a small venue for either like intimate concerts or for other uses. I know that. Um, Hillsong, New York, used that as a venue for a while. So, oh, okay. So, like, it's it it's like that. It's layered where they have seats on the on the floor, and then they have like you know like mezzanines and stuff. So, I kept thinking that in that entire scene is like, <laughs> why are they performing here? Like, if they're two yeah, of the biggest stars in the world, why are they not the at world, the garden? Right? Why are they not at the garden? But they yeah. save the garden for later. They That's do. Why. They do. Uh, they can't do it twice in the in one movie. They no. got to build up to that. So. And then the whole conceit of the fact that she finds out that he's cheating on her with her assistant mm-hmm. and on a whim decides. <laughs> well, it, she like talks herself into it, right? Like she has this on whole stage. like, yeah, epiphany on stage. She's having a breakdown, basically. She is. On stage. And she says, if you want different results, you got to do something different, essentially. And she picks him out of the crowd like he's got the marry me sign that's really sarah silverman's sign right and they like the crowd is like go like get on the stage and marry her like they goad him into doing it one of my favorite things though is the social media reaction because everybody's like streaming the social media reactions were killing me who is this guy what's wrong with him who dis yeah WTF just like is this real it was great yeah is <laughs> like, this it real? was great it was great um before we get into any more like to spoil I mean it's kind of not something that big to spoil in the movie like if if you know about a rom-com you kind of know the steps as to where it yeah. might go uh but what did you give it as a as a grade before we get into I think I gave it a B plus which is pretty high and I actually settled on a B minus. We're, oh, we're not go. that far. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, pretty great considering. Yeah. yeah. Considering everything that it we had know. like a really cheesy trailer. People were not expecting a lot out of this. JLo and Owen Wilson don't make a couple. No, and they I'm don't. still like B plus. <laughs> <laughs> so 
with that said, with our scores or with our grades, uh, let's go ahead and let's talk about spoilers for Marry Me right after this. The greatest trick. Houston, we have a problem. I am the father. I see dead people. The devil ever pulled. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Was convincing the world. You can't handle the truth. He didn't exist. Oh, what's in the box? All right, let's talk spoilers for Marry Me, the new J-Lo rom-com. Mm-hmm. So where do, what do you want to talk about? Because I, there's a I couple I want to talk about the new Judy Greer, and that is Michelle Buteau. And she plays <laughs> the social media manager. Like, yes. She takes over as social media manager from she, the fired assistant. The fired assistant, yes. Um, but she's fantastic. I really love everything that she does. Um, she's like got a dry humor. Yeah. And that really she's stands always out. like making little digs about Owen Wilson. You know what a tool is, right? Like she's like yeah. constantly <laughs> like uh dissing people left and right. If you want to see more of her, you can see her in Isn't that Isn't it romantic and Always Be My Maybe? I love her in that's Always right. Be My Maybe. She, yeah, she is in those movies. So that's, that's why right. I say she's the new Judy Greer because she's making it she's coming up in the yeah. rom-com best friend ranks. Yes, in the ranks. <laughs> there you go. I really enjoy her character. Um <laughs> let's talk about Owen Wilson as a dad. We've seen uh, him as yes, a dad yes, before, yes. right? Uh was he a dad? I'm trying to remember what movie he was a dad in. I don't remember the movie he was a dad in. He probably was and I'm just not thinking of it. Uh and was it? he probably was. And I just can't think of it. The thing is that I always envision when I when I hear the name Owen Wilson, Mm -hmm. immediately what comes to mind is Wedding Crashers. Mm -hmm. Um, And then for some reason, even though I have never seen it, Marley and Me. Marley and Me. yes, And then Midnight in Paris. Like those are the movies that come to mind right away. He did play a father in Wonder with uh, Jacob Tremblay. So here's the thing. Out of like 80-something movie credits, he's basically been a, a father like a handful of times maybe because I seriously haven't watched every Owen Wilson movie. Right. But for sure in Wonders, so that's one movie. Yep. No and Escape is another one. No Escape. So two movies that he's played and a father. And now this one is a third. And now this one, that's three movies we can count that he's been a father. So I feel like this is pretty unique already for Owen Wilson to play a father figure. I read some crazy article about Owen Wilson having like multiple baby mamas and him not accepting one of the babies, like not wanting anything to Whoa. do with one of them. Okay. That and is I have wild. a feel I've it was that. really so I I can't remember the details, but I remember being very incensed about it because it was like the most recent baby was like a girl mm-hmm. and the other two that he has a relationship with the babies or the kids because they're growing grown up boys are boys and i was like what the hell is going on here good look for our not a good look um he he's made some statement there and i was like this is busted how can he possibly like kind of show his face and like play any sort of father figure in a movie when he's like got this issue behind the scenes which admittedly isn't like very well known publicly but i mean i didn't know yeah, look it up after the thing. And again, I probably have some of the details wrong, but I know there was like a gender thing yeah. between the kids. Like the one wow. that he doesn't want anything to do with is a girl. 
In, oof. And I That's was like, not great. oh, God, what? Well, and I he's mean, so like happy-go-lucky, very right. funny. Um, you don't expect this, right? No, in, you don't. In his and private life. funny you should mention that because in this movie, he does play a father to a girl. He plays a father to a girl. And yes. that's why I bring it up <laughs> is that he is so lovable in this movie and endearing. And he kind of gets he really understands the, you know, father that wants to be in his daughter's life. But the daughter wants nothing to do with him because she's at that age. And it was hard, a little bit hard for me because I liked what I was seeing on screen and I really believed it. But then behind in the back of my mind, I'm like, how is he doing this? Like, he cannot do this. He's not doing this in real life. <laughs> I I see. When Tough. real life, you know, starts to bleed into to the make believe. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's very, tough. it's kind of rare to see him as a father. It is. Which is we, why I'm also I mean, like, we looked whoa. at his filmography. Mm-hmm. It's not really there. Uh, okay. So. J-Lo was a pop star. I found a lot of similarities between this character and Lady Gaga's character in A Star is Born, mm. where it was like playing to their strengths, right? Like Lady Gaga is, you know, triple threat. And the movie really makes use of her dancing and singing skills. Yes. Yes. Same goes for this movie. Same goes for this movie. You're right. It does make good use of Jennifer Lopez mm-hmm. because they know what her strengths are and She's a performer. That mm-hmm. is that is her biggest strength. She's a performer. Yeah. Uh, I believed her when she started to like uh, have feelings for Owen Wilson's character. Mm, okay. I think she she and him have a weird kind of chemistry because it's not like they want to like eat each other's faces all the time. No. It's almost like an admiration for each other. Yeah. Okay. So maybe this is why it wasn't as high of a grade for me. Because the love story doesn't feel like a love story. It doesn't feel like, like, feel like an end-all, be-all romance. Right. It doesn't feel like a romance. Mm-hmm. And so that part of the rom-com it's scenario. It's definitely a f- friendship, a yes. caring for each other. It kind of feels like that. And maybe a little bit of romance. Very, very light on it. Very light on it. Very light. Like they're, um, comfort to, they're comforting each other. Yes. And that's almost nicer than just like I'm gonna jump your jump your bones. Like no, like right, yeah. We don't always need like, to see that. No, we and don't. I like that about the movie. Um, she's so she's always surrounded by people at all times. Like, and he's challenging her to live slightly differently and be more self self sufficient and independent in that way. Where like. Maybe you can have your house keys on you instead of like your assistant having your house keys or like maybe you can figure out how to like use your own blender versus like somebody else like doing it. So things like that really spoke to me. Yeah. I like the growth of both of them in that respect because a lot of times in rom-coms people have sort of like an epiphany at the end, but it's not much of a character growth. Like they're still essentially the same person. Right. They just realize something. But that's it. in this movie, I feel like they both grow as a as a person yeah because his anti-social media and anti like view of Mm. her life yeah he starts to at least open up to it yeah he warms up to it yeah so he's not as rigid with certain things like for example a big example is when she visits the school 
and kind of lets the daughter know, hey, when I get nervous, I started teaching myself dance moves and incorporating that into my choreography. So that way I was so busy thinking of that that I didn't have time to think about being nervous or anything. And he Mm -hmm. incorporates that later on in the climax of the movie. So little things like that. We see development in both characters, which is very nice in Mm -hmm. in a rom-com. We don't see it often. You're right. You're right about that. Uh, Now, the movie does lead to a bit of a conflict because we have to have some type of conflict. And it's that Bastion is still kind of in the picture. Bastion is still shooting a shot and writing love songs like, uh, what is it? Dame un segundo chance and like oh different yes. things like that. And which is actually a pretty fire song. Like the whole OST is amazing. It's actually really good. Love it's it. I was really listening good. to it um, not too long ago. But the biggest crux happens when JLo's character Kat finally gets nominated for a Grammy. And she mentioned before that she's never been nominated. Mm -hmm. Like people don't really take her seriously. Yeah. And so because of Marry Me, that song with Bastion, her ex, gets nominated. That kind of puts a wrench into what's going on between Owen and J-Lo. And Owen kind of makes that realization. Well, at least in that moment, I don't think this is meant for me. Like this life of constantly Let's talk about this because I'm really intrigued with... I'm going to try and make this not that long because I feel like we're getting a little long in the episode. But I like how Owen Wilson's character was asked earlier, like, what happened with um, your daughter's uh, mom? So what happened with your first marriage? And he says, well, she we had a great marriage at first. And then it seemed like she didn't want to be with me anymore. And so I had to let her go. So he's already like self-sacrificing his personality is very self-sacrificing. He's like, I'm not going to keep someone by me that doesn't want to be here. Right. He's already used to being like pitiful almost. Mm, Like not fighting for a relationship. Right. He won't fight. Because it sounds like he didn't really fight for that relationship. He was like, well, I'll, I guess I'll just let you go. (laughs) And he kind of, yeah, he kind of backs down in situations. Yes. So when he's faced with that new situation with Bastion, um, coming up, again in her life especially during the whole push and uh what is it the campaign for the grammy yes he feels threatened again like his relationship he feels is threatened um by this other dude and also just by the exposure that this one song is getting and her how her career is taking off he feels kind of left behind he always felt out of place and mm-hmm. again he doesn't fight for their relationship he backs down which is what he did in his first marriage so it's like returning to the same pattern yes he is returning. which is very sad to me yeah it, it sucks because but that happens to people when when but they're very faced, believable <laughs> yeah when they're faced with some type of adversity they kind of retreat into what's comfortable what mm. they're what they know yes and he he does retreat to that mm-hmm. that that is what he ends up doing it's not until i would say it's jennifer lopez who initiates it it's j-lo's character she's the one that makes the run to the airport that she's humbles herself and goes to him yeah goes to him Mm-hmm. Which, again, that's another one we don't really see often of the woman going at the end. 
Yeah, this making, movie making the. Gesture. It reminded me a little bit of Fever Pitch. Ah, oh, and ex- okay. instead of like the Boston Red Sox obsession being like the thing of it, it's like her fame and career mm-hmm. being yeah. the thing of it, and she ends up going to him again. Like in both movies, in both movies, the female the woman, lead goes to yeah. yeah. Makes the grand gesture mm-hmm. at the end of the movie. At the end of the movie, so yeah, I, I I found it to be enjoyable, fun. Maybe I'll revisit it. And also, they're both math. Oh my god! And they're both what? Yes, be- and Jimmy Fallon's in both movies. Oh, that's right. And oh, okay, I need both to talk male about Jimmy. Are math uh, teachers? Math teachers. You're right. Holy you shit! You are right about that. I need to talk about Jimmy really quick. Bro, this movie. this movie makes him look so bad. <laughs> he, it, this is not the real Jimmy Fallon. This is an alternate reality Jimmy yes, Fallon where he kind is, of exhibits a bit of Jimmy Kimmel. Yes, this is like a Kimmel Fallon. Yeah, this is, I think Fallon kind of wanted to have fun and be perceived as a bit of a jerk. Yeah. Just just for the sake of it, because he can't do that in real life. No, he, no. He can't be the Jimmy Kimmel. He is the fun, let's play games. But here but he's like- you could like, tell he was having fun yeah. saying these jokes. Like he was getting off some jokes yes. about about uh, Kat's you know, entire situation. Like he, he goes on and like he's like, and apparently, you know, the next day she went downstairs and she married the doorman. Yeah. And then- she went to the airport, and when she landed, she married the bellboy. I mean, come <laughs> on. And, like, the way he was just roasting her, he doesn't do that to people no. in jokes. So he had fun with it, for yeah. sure. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, this is a completely different Jimmy Fallon. <laughs> I enjoyed we, it. I had yeah. a good time with it. I laughed. I Me laughed too. so hard because I was like, oh, Jimmy, Jimmy's having fun here. Mm-hmm. Um. Any anything else that you wanted to bring up? Yes, you, did you catch the Pretty Woman uh, uh, reference? Uh, in what part? Uh, so the blanking? assistant that I was talking about earlier. Yes, she brings some jewelry to her. It's like a necklace in a red box, yes. and she goes like, "Ooh!" Like she's gonna close it on her hand, and she's like, "Ah!" But doesn't do it. Doesn't do it. Doesn't. But do that's it. Yeah. like a clear reference to yep. Pretty Woman. It is. You're right, and. When you say it, it makes total sense. I, I didn't like grab it on the spot. When I but saw I do it, I was remember like, ah. the scene. <laughs> Little and things then at just one point, calling back. Yeah. And then at one point she says, love actually. <laughs> did, did you catch that one? Um, I no. was like, love actually. That's like, you can't, in a rom-com, you can't just be like, and love actually is like, but you should, love actually. Right. <laughs> that would be funny to do a movie like, really make your movie kind of reference other movies throughout and not play it like a farce or anything, but like play it straight. It was old. That would be hilarious. <laughs> no, that I think would, this movie knew what it was. Yeah, it was what it was it doing, was especially back. with the pretty woman thing. Yeah. Um, the fever pitch thing is pretty great. I think. Yes. Are we the only it, people that saw that? Maybe. <laughs> probably. Probably not many people in our lives that you say, Hey, have you seen fever pitch? Fever and they're pitch. like, what's that? <laughs> Uh, Which yeah, we actually have an episode on, Fever Pitch. It's It was like a double feature thing that we did. And the series was for the love of the game because that's right. during the pandemic, baseball. there were no sports. And then all of a sudden, all the sports came back. So we did a sports series, sports movie series. And that was so yes, much fun. Did. Yes, it was. That was a lot of fun. We did 
Uh, that was one of the two baseball movies. I'm trying to remember the other one. Wasn't it? I, oh, no. I thought it was Angels in the Outfield, but I don't Yes, think it was. was. Yes, it? it was. It was Angels <laughs> in the Outfield. That was the second one. The so remake. You guys they were both remakes, right? So it's like Fever Pitch. Yeah, they were. Which was based on a soccer British movie. Right. And of course, they kept the name because Pitch. Yes. Makes and sense. And then Angels in the Outfield, was, which is also a remake. It is. So this was a fun time. Yeah. Probably if I'm, I'm looking at the movies that I've watched so far this year. This is number one so for far. You. For, for For me, yeah, it's for, number two. Okay. Because Scream came out earlier this year and it was a very good, very fun time. Uh, but still a very enjoyable movie. And if you want something to watch date night, I mean, today recording is Valentine's Day, but you know, whenever you're with your significant other, want to watch something I watched it with my fam. It was great. We had yeah. a fun time. My parents were very into it. My dad was laughing. My mom was like, how could she get back with that come mierda talking about Maluma's <laughs> Bastion? I mean, we were all having a good time. So it's also family movie, very clean. Yeah. 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 Very clean. Uh, so overall, a very good time. We recommend it. And I think that that's pretty much that's it, all we can say yeah. about Marry Me. Check it out. And if you just check this episode out for the first time, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcast app. We're on Spotify. We're on Google. We're on Spotify. <laughs> no, I said that already. Apple Podcast. Yeah, I know. I said it twice because I was leading into something. But I something. thought it was a joke, so I started laughing. I like, know, you right? know, you just repeat it like for effect. <laughs> exactly. For effect. <laughs> uh, that was not on purpose. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many more. And if you do like us, go ahead and give us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Five stars goes a long way for us. Also, check us out on social media to stay up to date on our latest episodes and reviews. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at AlwaysCriticPod. Finally, if you're a fan of the show and you've done all that already, Please consider becoming a patron. It's a great way for you to get involved and show your support. You can check us out on our page at patreon.com slash alwayscriticpod. Speaking of what's coming up next week, we will be talking about Uncharted, which is the new video game adaptation <laughs> turned to movie starring Tom Holland, Mark Wahlberg, and Antonio Banderas. We will be having Miguel on the show, who is a giant fan of the franchise. Oh, great, because I don't know anything. <laughs> so he can speak to us more. I oh, I, so I know excited. bits and pieces. Miguel but. hasn't been on in a while. Yes. He, uh, I remember the last episode he was on. And it's been, oh, dear Evan Hansen. <laughs> yes, yes, it was. And so I think it'll be a fun episode because he, he'll be able to break down you know, what the movie's doing versus what the games were doing, because mm -hmm. in a way the games themselves almost feel like movies because mm -hmm. of the way they, they tell a story. And right. there's a reason why it's one of the most popular video game franchises, you know, ever like they have special editions and everything. So, uh, it's, I think I'm a little excited. Video I'm cautious. Games have special editions. Yes, they do. They do have special editions. Okay. Uh, yeah, this is a. I know this is a world that this you're not. This is a culture shock. It's a totally different world. Familiar. I don't know anything. Yeah. Um. Like for example, um, there is one of the Uncharted games. It's Uncharted Four, A Thief's End, which kind of like 
put an end to the franchise but it's one of the most popular games like most sold games ever um it's the entire franchise has been played so many times that they even when they created the playstation 5 they had a uncharted ps5 version like so it came with a special edition game and everything so yeah it's does it have like special features or yeah it has special features (laughs) Almost like a, a like a Blu-ray or something. Um, so yeah, the it is a huge, huge deal. And so we'll see if you know the movie does it justice. Uh, I know that I this movie know. it was in development for a very long time. Ooh, this yeah, movie. That, which doesn't bode well. It doesn't bode well. But we'll see what they did. We're just hoping for a fun time, and Miguel can lead us kind of through that those steps. Yeah. There. So. With that said, that's, this has been our episode. I'm Rico. And I'm Jessica. And this has been the Always the Critic podcast. Always the Critic.